Are you craving incredible song recitals? Are you interested in a behind-the-scenes view into professional song making at the highest levels of artistry? Are you looking to develop your own artistic and entrepreneurial skills as a classical musician in this ever-changing 21st century landscape? If you found yourself saying yes to any of those questions, look no further than Cincinnati Song Initiative's week-long program, The Fellowship of the Song. Taking place this year from May 19 through 26, The Fellowship brings together some of the country's brightest song performers and teachers for a week of classes, concerts, and study events. And we invite you to join us as an auditor, either in person in Cincinnati or online wherever you may be located. When you join the fellowship as an auditor, you gain instant access to the entire week's events and can go back and relive the magic through HD video recordings of each and every session. To learn more about this incredible new opportunity, visit CincinnatiSongInitiative.org slash audit. Mandy, if you would like to come to Eastern Pennsylvania and have breakfast with the three of us where we will all be on Christmas Eve morning. (laughs) Let me check my calendar. I might be able to... Get it in real quick. <laughs> Just pop, pop a flight out. Exactly. Hop Turn on a flight. quick flight. <laughs> this is Song Cycle, where we gab with cool people who bring their innovative ideas and projects to life to contribute to a more vibrant society through song. I'm your host, Sam Martin, founding artistic director of Cincinnati Song Initiative. Let's get into it. Whether it's performers with amazing stories from the stage, entrepreneurs and administrators who work tirelessly to push our industry forward in exciting ways, composers with an eye toward the future of song, or anybody else in this big community, I want to hear from them and share their stories with you. Okay, everybody, welcome to the season finale of the third season of Song Cycle. Uh, today, we have a little bit different setup. Um, we're considering this the virtual CSI holiday party. <laughs> Where's my eggnog? I know. Yes. We've, we've gathered all of CSI's podcast creators for the podcast crossover event of this hour in the world. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have Ellen Rissinger and Tony Marie Palmer Tree, the incredible uh, co-creators and co-hosts of So Lit Song Lit. And Hi. we have Mandy Madrid Sikich, the uh, amazing founder, creator, host, researcher extraordinaire of Follow the Leader, which um, a- existed uh, for several years before uh, CSI happily stumbled upon it. And then we wanted to welcome Mandy into the family. So um, welcome to all three of you. Hi, hi, hi. So happy to be here. Thanks Yay. for having us. Hello. Um, let's start Let's start with, I want to I wanna give each of you the opportunity to introduce your podcast to the Song Cycle audience so that hopefully everybody gets into all three of these podcasts and we can learn about um, how each of these podcasts are uniquely different. Whoever thought that an art song organization would be able to successfully like have three different podcasts revolving around song, but actually have genuinely different like approaches and topics, not me. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So Ellen and Tony Marie, tell us about Solit Songlit, you know, what the podcast is, what its premise is, and and a little bit of the why of why it got started. I think the very beginning of it was just me talking to you and knowing that Cincinnati Song Initiative had already brought Mandy and followed the leader into the fold. And I said, I think I might have another podcast in me. And then I started to think about what it would be and what that would look like. And I know I moved home from Germany in July of 2019, just in time for a pandemic. Mm-hmm. And Within the first three years that I moved home, I ended up coaching the Dichterliebe four times. I just can't. I was I was like, I'm done. <laughs> I can't do this anymore. I'm like, why aren't we doing other things like, like the Wolf Liederstrauss or something else? And that was kind of where I started talking to Tony about it and saying this all of these pieces that we do all these standard pieces there's I, how many recordings are there of of Dichterliebe? Like, should right. we know them? Yes, we should know them. Should singers sing them? Yes, they should sing them. But do we need another recording of Dichterliebe by anybody? <laughs> so my idea was to sort of find other repertoire. And that was when I started talking to Tony. 
Yeah. And it, it, for me as a singer, you know, I'm always um, looking for new repertoire, new ways to entertain audiences and things, but it's quite daunting because when you think about music, there's just like an endless amount of, of music out there. Um, so sort of narrowing it down to music that people haven't, hasn't heard of is mm -hmm. kind of helps in a way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know, of course the, the gift of 2020 was time, but also it, it really made us reflect a lot on people who really aren't seen and heard. And so that really also narrowed it down even further for us that we really made it a mission to create uh, programs and concerts uh, just for um, highlighting women composers and then also people of color. And, and our podcast is like really expanded from there and many other different topics uplifting lots of different people. Um, so it's just become like this labor of love um, to just bring everybody into the fold, the love of song. So we yeah. hope mm -hmm. you enjoy that. That's awesome. Uh, that's great. T tell us about how each episode goes, basically, because you have a very interesting format and you do so much work to to serve this repertoire up to listeners on a silver platter from from hearing it to even how to go then purchase scores, which is so often a difficulty uh, for for perform it's a barrier to performance uh for for a lot of new music a lot of um older music tell us how how all of that goes yeah the first thing we do is once we've decided who we're going to focus on we play through a lot of the music together and i mean we spend hours sitting together just sight reading through 60 70 songs at a time and then deciding which ones first of all which ones we like the best and second of all which ones will give us the best sense of who that composer is mm. if that makes sense like because sure. uh, we're looking for for kind of uh, a, also a way to make it accessible to somebody who hasn't heard the music and sort of say okay these are kind of like Strauss on steroids or this is very Schumanni and this is very Schuberti and this is more like this if you're if you're looking at Hensa this is not like anything you've ever done before so here we are <laughs> right. yeah we always try to find a point of reference so that if someone like really excel singing Strauss, you know, that they could have a point of reference to say, okay, this probably would fit the bill for me. I know for me as a singer, um, this is probably like an incredibly lazy way, but like, as soon as I like hear or start to hear a certain um, sound or pitch, I know exactly like, oh, my voice is going to fit into that. And so we wanted to be able to include these recordings so that people had an immediate sense of, oh, this would work for me, or this will work for my students. Mm -hmm. um, and that way it will greatly increase the chance that they will actually use these resources and put them into programs right away. Exactly. And that was that was kind of our biggest goal was to find find a way to show you what it sounds like and take away some of the scariness of opening a brand new score. Because, I mean, a lot of voice teachers will only be able to assign songs that they know of, obviously. So in this way, we're able, we actually record clips and put not the whole song, but sort of short 30, 30 second to a minute clips from, from the song, selections from the songs that we're talking about so that you get a chance to hear a little bit of it just to get a taste and say, oh, this might work. And then we we also talk about a level. So if it's Shimonovsky in his very late chromatic period, maybe that's not for a beginner. Maybe that's more for professionals. But, you know, if, it, if we're talking about the 24 Italian art songs by women composers, then you could give that to anybody. Right. So cool. So comprehensive. And then in the show notes, usually link to where to purchase these scores, right? Yes. So far, we've only had a few scores that that there's no way of purchasing. But in those cases, there we've shown about interlibrary loan. We've talked about what is available on IMSLP um, and how to use that in a way that's not going to ruin <laughs> the, the whole production of music because we do still need to support that industry as well. Yes, we're a huge uh, supporter of purchasing music. Um, especially with all of the new music being written, um, that's quite fantastic. So we really need to support our composer friends. Mm -hmm. Right, right, brilliant, brilliant. What, what are, what is Solit Songlet focusing on this season? You, you, you are halfway through your season. We are uh, focusing on um, composers who are either gay or trans. Um, so we've 
we brought in a special uh, guest, a tenor who happens to be, well, not happens to be, we specifically chose um, someone who is gay so that um, he could help, you know, sort of inform us and, and speak um, on the topic uh, that which we don't personally know about. Um, mm -hmm. So it's been quite an amazing uh, journey learning uh, for, for both of us. Um, and we've found some incredible music. Oh my gosh. Oh my incredible. Gosh. Yeah. Love it. And you have great plans for next season, which you'll reveal in your own time, but that's a little overview of so lit song lit, which is our exciting newest addition to the podcast family. Thank you. Mo. Yeah. Um, all right, Mandy, over to you. Tell us about follow the leader, especially how you started this podcast before we at all were connected and, and also very interesting to me and happily so how sort of the material that you're featuring as you get deeper and deeper and further along is sort of expanding and your guests and and all that T take us on a little bit of the journey of follow the leader yeah well first of all i have to say it's a little intimidating following <laughs> Uh, the explanation of so lit because you are so you have such a clear mission and purpose and like your zeal and your zest for it is really inspiring. I'm just a nerd who's talking about music <laughs> at the end of the day. Yeah, but I gotta say, um, I, I'm a fellow nerd right here. I love it. I love it for, I, I the, for that very different reason. I believe you are preaching to the choir. Amen. Yes. Okay. 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 Fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> well, then let me get into it, okay, guys. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so my podcast, Follow the Leader, uh, was born out of um, actually a very specific set of circumstances in my life. I have been a pianist my entire life. Um, I am also gender fluid, and uh, my pronouns are both he and she. And um, piano is really how I made sense of myself. Um, and I, you know, went through various schooling. I did a couple master's degrees. And at some point I realized I was too wrapped up, like my identity was too wrapped up in the piano. And I really needed to take a step back because I didn't know who I was. You know, if I failed on stage, it felt like a failure of who I was. So I took a big, big, big step back and just did music for myself. And I realized within that, that I couldn't stop talking about music. So this podcast is really born out of that, um, <laughs> like obsession about with talking about music and so i would find myself and actually the day the idea for the podcast was born was a very specific day i remember i was with my friends in sedona and we were camping and we were sitting around the picnic table and i was looking up at the tops of the trees swaying back and forth and I was telling my friend that it reminded me of this Mendelssohn song that speaks about the, the palm trees waving back and forth. And, and I explained to her the whole song and what was glorious about it and just how I felt we were embodying it in that, in that moment. And even though we weren't on the banks of the same river and we were looking at pine trees and not palm trees, I just felt like that moment connected me in time you know, like across the centuries, I just felt such a close kinship to this song and explaining it to her, we were just in this moment of, of ecstasy, reliving this song. And then I played it for her, you know, we listened to it. And um, my friend, my other friend who was there snapped a picture of us in that moment. And when I saw myself in that picture, I realized, oh yeah, this is something that I really, I need to do more of. So. That's why I do this podcast. <laughs> and in my podcast, each episode, I bring at least one or two songs um, and I explain them to a random person. <laughs> um, quite often, it is a friend who is close to me um, for all of season, let's see, what was it, season two. Um, it was right. almost every almost every episode of season two. I uh, uh, discussed Schubert's Winterreise, a different song from Schubert's Winterreise, with my partner Brian Sikic. Um, so he was um, <laughs> he was a sometimes not willing participant, but always gave us a hilarious <laughs> perspective of things. Can confirm. Yeah. <laughs> Can confirm. Thankful sometimes for Brian. Thank yeah. you for Brian during season two. Sometimes I really had to like muscle him into the back corner of the sofa and like sit here and listen to me talk about Schubert. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Um, many of those episodes were sponsored by whatever his drink of choice was that day. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, we just nerd out over the different um, songs that we bring in. You know, sometimes we're talking about the poets. Sometimes we're talking about, you know, socially what was going on at the time or the culture around it. Or we'll talk about something specific. I, there was one episode from the Vinterreise season where we were talking all about Schubert and syphilis. And I got um, nitty gritty with the details about syphilis because I find it so interesting. I get so interested in random, random things. And um yeah, and I feel like that really informs the more you know, just the random stuff about the composer, about the song, about, you know, what imagery this is pulling from, like centuries back from different mythologies. All these things really um, help fuel a, a fuller, more deeper understanding of the song, you know, and whether you're a performer or whether you are just a lover of song and want to experience and have something new to ponder as, as you listen to the song. Um, yeah. So that that's what we do in my podcast. I'm not sure if I summed it up adequately, but you sure did. And I'm here. I'm going to affirm two things, Mandy, about the podcast, because number one, what you said about the origin story and the Mendelssohn song and the setting you were in um, with your friend and that you that you e even out loud expressed and shared that the real world situation you're in in that moment reminded you of this song like it's it's a buzz phrase that we always say that classical music and art song and stuff relates to the real world and poetry relates to the world. Often we don't necessarily provide real life examples or chase that thread through to the end to 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 explain or show how. And um, that is a perfect prime example out of a multitude and infinite number of examples, but how you related a song and the setting of a song to a real world situation. You shared that with your friend who is like not even a musician, right? Um, she actually, yeah, did study piano, but not, not a perfect, not a musician in the capacity, you know, that, right. that so we like, are. <laughs> the, the point being that she wouldn't have made that connection to that song. Exactly. Or, exactly. Right. Yeah. So like that, that's beautiful right there. And that's all the reason you need. Um, and, and that's a perfect example of relating song and classical music to the world in which we live. Can I Second, say something? Sorry, yeah, can I interrupt you and say something on that point? I think that that's something that really gets me fired up too about it is a lot of times people think of um, art song as um, unapproachable because mm -hmm. of often there's a barrier in the language. And even if there isn't, sometimes English art song um, or, or art song that's happening in your native language sometimes can feel unapproachable mm -hmm. just because of the setting. It's new, it's foreign, we don't hear it very often. We don't know how to make sense of it. And I love making sense of things. And I will say, I mean, going through Winterreise last year, there was so much about grief that felt so and helped me understand. I mean, my husband and I were both grieving very deeply at the time. And there were nuances and ways in which we were able to think and process that really helped us that I didn't find anywhere else. And I love being able to draw on these sorts of things. Um, as, a, as a human, we're so deeply layered and nuanced that to be able to make something else, something accessible to someone who wouldn't otherwise seek it out, it really makes me super excited. Like, that's my jam. <laughs> yeah, but, but that's not to be, um, we're saying the exact same thing, and that's not to be glossed over and that for, for different reasons. So that Songlet, I mean, to expose people to all this new repertoire that is so hard to come by otherwise, you three in your two separate podcasts provide so much resource and um, pushing of listeners towards these different topics in ways that simply we often talk about in general terms, but no one ever really um, goes as far as to help push things across the finish line or show listeners, students, performers, how to get to the next level. And again, in Follow the Leader, the deep dives into single songs and whatever angle you're approaching it, Mandy, from the poet to the, to the social cultural time or about the composer, like, again, we stop necessarily having those deep dives into specific songs after we're done with our like college degrees. That doesn't happen anywhere else once we're out in the world. We're just speeding through music. I mean, we need to hold we hold ourselves accountable as individuals, but this group communal 
platform to go that deep into all this repertoire is so rare and few and far in between. So, um, you know, that's that's the the brilliance of of follow the leader and and solid songlet to to expose new repertoire that people can then go and and live live humanity through this lens of song yes. you know with the expanding canon so i i don't know i as far as i'm concerned the missions and the purposes of both these podcasts are just brilliant and fantastic so y'all are stars ellen <laughs> ellen with her hand up like this is elementary school <laughs> <laughs> so um since we're at this point and we're talking about all of this i'm gonna bring us into our next section of the podcast quickly because i have a trivia question that hearing mandy talk made me think of hmm. okay why Kill us with some, get us with some trivia why did schubert start writing art songs why did that become such a big deal right when it became a big deal do you want to take a stab, Sam? <laughs> I'm thinking. Is this like, Ellen, is this a question with like an objective answer that Schubert's on the record for saying what? There is a literal, objective, natural, physical reason for it. When I say physical, natural, I mean there was, there was a reason, there was something going on in the world. Oh, in the world. I was going to say, was he starting to was he sick and facing his mortality and song was what he, where he sort of turned to all that. But I don't know if that lines up with his life. He started writing songs way before he was sick. Mm -hmm. Mandy, do you, do you have a Well, I have a whole bunch of ideas. <laughs> I'll just like throw them out there. Um, <laughs> so I know when Schubert started composing song, um, the, you know, people would gather in like smaller settings, right? So there would be music that they wanted to perform for each other. And also it was, um, you know, they didn't have TV, social media, all these things didn't exist back then. So creating music together was a natural way that people entertained themselves and amused themselves. And uh, also interesting at these evenings where they would perform, like these, often these songs were written specifically for these little like salon settings, right? Um, and people would do gymnastics gymnastics there too you probably know this that they would do like like little gymnastics performances together um so I'm not sure if like that's kind of the track that you're that you're thinking of like why it, it became popular at that time it's just because like the natural social settings were kind of primed for it in that way the reason they were primed for it in that way is because a volcano erupted and there was a huge cloud of dust all over basically the entire European wait was that Krakatoa I have absolutely no idea. This this is something I read from is the the Collaborative Piano Forum blog guy. He wrote a, a whole article about this. There was a, a volcano that exploded, and because of this, you could not you couldn't gather in large groups because you didn't want to go out that much. You couldn't like get all of these things together. So in some ways, much like the pandemic brought us all into like little tiny clusters, this ah. volcano put people together in little tiny clusters. And that was, that's why art song went bonkers right then because they couldn't really like go to a big concert hall. Oh my gosh. It was like, like, uh, like this, this particular event, like, birthed the Schubertia, the Salon, the parlor room concert. That is insane. I need to know which volcano it was because I know there's a <laughs> volcano. <laughs> exactly. What was that? I can see you looking it up. <laughs> I know. I'm like, mm, which volcano erupted? <laughs> That's a great piece of trivia, Ellen. <laughs> wow. That Maybe is. I also want to know where, where the volcano was. It wasn't in Germany, was it? Or Austria? No. Oh. So, okay. I'm looking right now. There's one that erupted in 1815 in Indonesia. The one I'm thinking Krakatoa was in uh, Indonesia as well. Oh, there's a whole bunch. I don't think we'll be able to sort it out. How interesting. I just, I, I found he wrote that during, like during the pandemic. And when I was first teaching live classes and told one of my classes that they were like, <laughs> yeah yeah my jaw dropped I don't know. Uh, too bad we aren't recording this on video because my jaw was just on the ground <laughs> so we yes we decided we would bring some trivia to absolutely annihilate each other with listener dear listener one. that's a good one we're probably not going to be able to get any of these sp super specific questions right so let's do the chaos okay Who's got a Mandy? Do you have a trivia? Should we should we alternate and then we'll end? I'll, I'll do. Um, I'm I'm bringing guess that song. So this is going to be rough. Oh, right, right. 
This is going to be real rough. No winners. No winners. No winners. Everyone's a loser. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I have, yeah, I have a, I have one that's kind of obscure. Oh yeah. But I'm, I'm, I'm quaking in my boots. Okay. Here we go. Which poet whose texts are set in a famous song cycle by Schumann was also responsible for the first ever written treatise on botulism. It's a Schumann song cycle. Mm-hmm. And so they were into uh, they were into the plants, huh? Uh, botulism is a, a rare and potentially fatal illness caused by a toxin produced by the bacterium Clostridium botulinum. Not me I- confusing botany for botulism. Right. <laughs> botulism all, side note that's what, what they it? inject you when you have um what's it called botox, botox. that's what they're injecting into because it paralyzes your your uh little face wow issues <laughs> i i need to go back to school i'm not well okay botulism okay so dichterliebe is heine oh i'm gonna say heine uh all right for th- i have no way of knowing so for let's just throw another option out there but, I'm sticking okay. with Heine. All right. You say Heine, I'll say Eichendorf. Do you got one? Do you got a different one? No, I wish people could see my face because I'm literally just like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a Eustinus Kerner. Isn't that so interesting, though? I was listening to an epidemiology podcast and they were talking about botulism and then they talk about Eustinus uh, Kerner and I was like, oh my God, a connection. Like, I love those connections out in nature, like out in the wild when you just find them it's so cool can we just go back to the fact that you were listening to a podcast about (laughs) yeah right i mean again look at my face it's just (laughs) perpetually stuck in like huh (laughs) i'm proud of myself when i listen to my five minute a day in italian podcasts you know otherwise all i want to do is like romance novels and political stuff All right. Well, there was my first fact. Well done. Well done. That was stop us in our tracks. Ellen, take us out. El or or Tony. Okay. So I, since I'm the opera singer on deck, we shall give you trivia in the opera world. Okay. Who was the first female composer to have an opera performed at the Metropolitan Opera? The first female composer. I think I know this. I don't think I know. Who are you going to say, Sam? Is it Ethel Smythe Smith? And so, do you know which opera it was? Oh, come on. (laughs) (laughs) Or do you know what the year was? That gets harder and harder every question. (laughs) No, no, it doesn't. The year, like, okay, if you think about Ethel Smith, think about decades. When would this have been? Uh... Uh, eight, no, it, late 1800s it was actually 1903 okay turn of the century so here's the follow-up then how long did it take for another female composer to have an opera performed at the met uh, c- oh, uh, gosh. uh sorry Aho. oh right sorry Aho. Wow. The, the, l'amour de luan Mm-hmm. Right, that was a couple years ago, right? Sam, I'm so impressed right now. I know nothing about opera. Well, <laughs> I remember the Sariaho. Wow, Ethel this... Smith, but I don't rem- I don't know the piece. Um, is it? Um, I keep wanting to say Breaking the Waves, but that's Missy Mazzoli. It was um, in German. It was in German. If that helps, I don't even know if I'm going to recognize it if you say it. I I I give up. Der Wald. Nope, wouldn't have known that. Yep. So it took 113 more years yeah. to get another female composer's work performed at big, the Metropolitan Opera. Big thumbs down. Big thumbs down. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Working that, on it, though. Aren't we that's Metropolitan a... Opera? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I that was a good fact. <laughs> and Ethel Smith is in this season of the podcast, isn't she? Or last it season? Is. No, we are. She was. We already covered her. She was we already got her. Episode six or seven. Yeah, we're in there. Yeah, she's got some gorgeous songs. Yeah, just in English and in German. Yes. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. All right, Mandy. Oh smack gosh. Us. Okay, here's a really good one. <clears throat> Which poet, important in the work of Schubert, saw an omen of death shortly before he died of a heart attack at the young age of thirty-two? Can we know what the omen of death is or would that give it away? 
Uh, I can tell you what the omen was. So the poet had just, uh, and listen, I'm telling you this off the top of my head from what I remember. Um, <clears throat> so like a, maybe a little tiny detail might be incorrect, but um, <laughs> the, the, it's within the correct shading, okay? So <laughs> he went to visit a friend after having traveled, I believe it was to Switzerland. And um, Switzerland has like the yellow cross on the flag, right? I think so. I think so. Uh, How long did I live in Germany? And I don't remember. Wait, isn't Sweden. isn't Swiss, or is it isn't it the red Sweden. the red cross? Okay. Anyway, it was a country that had a cross on its flag. <laughs> okay, and so his friend, in the middle of the night or in the dark, had painted, had grabbed what he thought was the color of the cross and painted a cross on a white flag and hung it up for his friend to see when he came. So his friend arrives, and in the morning when they wake up they realize he had plain, painted a black cross on the flag which was an omen of death <laughs> not the color of the flag from the country from which he had just traveled and nice. then less than two weeks later he suffered a heart attack and was dead oh wow thanks friend um <laughs> is this a i'm co-opting this into 20 questions to get closer <laughs> is this a is this poet of schubert like uh like a top like a top well-known poet of Schubert or a, a sort of middle middle of the road? Here's the thing. I feel like if I answer that question, you're going to know. Mm. I mean, but I can't answer. I can answer it if you're no, not. No, no, no. I'm going to, well, I'm going to infer that that means it's yeah. like a, a well-known poet that we all know that Schubert. So said. for me, the two that are, that are the most famous that Schubert would have used would have been Müller and Goethe. But I don't know. I don't know enough to as many statues as I've seen of Goethe in my life, I don't know what his dates are to know whether he died at a young age. Oh, I see. Right. Because this person died at age 32, didn't they? Yeah. I mean, Goethe had a huge output, but doesn't mean he was old. Right. Just like Schubert. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So are you guessing, are you guessing Goethe just, just for the plot? I'm just going to throw Goethe in the ring. Just all right. Now I'm going to, I'm going to add to the soup. Um, Let's do well. I do like I do like Muller as another guess. Yeah. What about Lenau? Was that he that time period? Rilke was Rilke that time period. Rilke. What about Rilke? I'm gonna change my answer. Oh. <laughs> Did Schubert send any Rilke poems? What he? I was just gonna ask that. I I think so. Um, that's gonna tip my hand and. Give you a clue as to if it's right or not <laughs> here i'll just tell you i'll just tell i'll us. just tell you tell us. it was wilhelm muller it was muller oh, yeah it was um yeah goethe actually had a, a nice long life he lived to a ripe old age um the other poet i think that um and it always comes to mind when i think of schubert is meyerhofer of course yeah, yeah. um so in my mind i was kind of like oh i'm gonna stump them everyone's gonna say meyerhofer <laughs> <laughs> but that's because Meyerhofer is probably my favorite poet of Schubert's. Mm. I I really really enjoy just about every um, song of Schubert's with text by Meyerhofer. Um, nice. Yeah, but isn't that interesting? And Müller, like, there was no sign that anything was wrong. He had like a pretty charmed, like, easy life. Everyone always wonders, like, where the heck Winterreise came from because his life was just he was happily married. He huh. had, you know. And uh, and then this dark work comes out of him, and then he sees his omen of death, and he dies. How interesting! Yeah, weird. It's particularly interesting that he had no reason that we necessarily know of or would have guessed to have Divinterize come out of. Right. right. Yeah. I bet you if there was social media, we would have known. <laughs> he would have been vague booking about, <laughs> about whatever was going wrong in his life. <laughs> <laughs> all right is there another solit inspired one from ellen and tony so this is the question name at least two german language composers who were contemporaries of richard strauss and we cover we have covered quite a few on solit songlet so if you can name them from that i would also be happy but if you can't i understand franz lothar is one that I will say. Lothar, definitely. We did. We have not talked about Lothar on there, but yes. Um, Sam, do you want to give it a... I'm thinking of Solit composers. Is I can't remember if he's German or Austrian. Did you guys do someone named Kralik? Kralik, Matilda von Kralik. Yep. Yep. 
Yep, she Matilda would definitely she would definitely have been a contemporary. Okay. House. Wow. Right. Well, that, no, straight up guess. I I I, def, I don't remember whatever dates you you two told so, us that she lived. Yep, Strauss was eighteen sixty four to nineteen forty nine, so it covers a decent amount of time. Mm -hmm. uh, Kralik would have been eighteen fifty seven to nineteen forty four, so it's literally almost like five years earlier on both ends. So Matilda and Lothar. Lothar. Was Mahler floating around at the same time as Strauss exactly, or were they, I can't remember. Mahler was yeah. earlier. And Mahler earlier. was a little bit, he was older, but his wife. Alma. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. I, I remember, because I just did um, something about Strauss a couple episodes ago. What did I do? Oh, yeah, I did all of Zalen. And I always loved uh, hearing how Strauss was, he, he was so interested, intrigued by the fact that Mahler always felt like he was like tortured over something and that Strauss was like when I sit down or like Mahler felt he needed redemption like writing was redemption and Strauss said when I sit down at my desk to write in the morning I try to think of what I need to be redeemed from <laughs> essentially he's like I can't think of anything <laughs> let's see so I so Schoenberg was also alive and composing at that time as well yeah but I think he was wouldn't he have been slightly later uh, well, I mean, I know he was he was composing like around uh, turn of the century. Okay, right? I mean, that, him, I did not li put him on our list specifically because he's yeah. very well known. So I'm thinking. Oh, right. oh, as right. I keep forgetting the element of like right composers yep. that you have covered. I don't. I don't actually remember any others that you have covered. <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> Siegfried Wagner would also have been the, almost the exact. Oh, same. Ziggy. Oh, wow. okay. As you. Uh, finally referred to him in the exactly. pod. No, and it's funny because one of the reasons that I wanted to ask this question is that I forget who I was talking to, but they were like, basically once Strauss was writing, nobody knows anybody else that was composing at the same time. So we might recognize some names like Pfitzner and Rega, but I have some art songs by a guy named Clemens von Frankenstein. I swear to God, his name is Frankenstein. Frankenstein. <laughs> They're so beautiful. So beautiful. Amazing. There's Max von Schilling. Um, there's Ludwig Tui. There's August Reuss. There's so many good composers that were composing right then. And we never hear about them because Strauss was so much better than everybody else that all we hear is Strauss. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was like but the also, after the Beyonce of his day, you know. Yeah. Right, right, and he was rich <laughs> like Beyonce too. <laughs> he got rich too, just, just like Beyonce from his music. Well, and then but, he got poor again because it did get taken away. <laughs> he got rich and then he got poor. I got poor. <laughs> All right, who wants who wants to guess a little song? Ooh, I do. Name that tune. I think this first song I'm playing the first 44 seconds and it I'll give I'll let you stew over this context. It's a song that um, is a little funny and in relation to a, uh, a, a certain religious holiday that we are uh, uh, heading into uh, at the time of this podcast dropping at the end of December. Did you get any of that German? All of it. Yeah, it's yeah it was great. I know, what, I know what holiday it's about. <laughs> okay, what's the holiday? The Three Kings Day. So yes, do you do you? It, this is this is a Christian it's holiday. It's January sixth, right? It's not December. It's not the end of December. It's January sixth. This is the. It's a season. It's a season. The season of Epiphany. Okay. Yes. But the funny thing is, like, I know, I know of a Heilige Drei König, Königin von von Strauss. 
but that was definitely not Strauss. <laughs> definitely not. Good, I was good. thinking that yeah. I played by Strauss. So okay, any any composers? <laughs> it sounds like hey, the company was not not fair, not very uh, imaginative. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it was in its simplicity. I'm not really sure. <laughs> I will say I, I I was debating between playing a later a later section of the song where the accompaniment mm. was more emblematic of the composer mm. and, it, and it actually sounds like another song that a lot of people know by this composer. Oh. But I really wanted to play those first two stanzas of the text. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I don't know if I could take a guess because it was just it was so sparse. Yeah, it was so simple that I, I have no clues. It's a it's a it's a super standard leader composer. Maybe I Schumann. I could I would maybe guess Schumann. Schumann. And I I, I mean uh, it sounded to me like Schubert because it was a little Mozartian. Yeah, mm. that's where I was leaning. I'll 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 give you one more hint, and that the the accompaniment is misleading in that way. Oh okay. Oh okay. Let me read the first two stanzas, not that this will give the composer away. The three kings of Orient with their star, they eat, they drink, and don't like to pay. They like eating, they like drinking, they eat, drink, and don't like to pay. Yep. The three kings of Orient have come to this place and are three in number and not four. And if to be three, a fourth be added, there'd be one, three kings of Orient more. <laughs> <laughs> Mozart. It's both. Mozart's humor. Oh. It's both. It's both. And oh. later in the song, and that was the beautiful Elizabeth Schwarzkopf singing. And you, like you said, Ellen, you can understand every single word. Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. Later on in the song, the accompaniment starts getting tinkly in the top of the keyboard, mm. and it sounds like elfin beat. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. Mm -hmm. All right. That's that oh, was that a was little fun. holiday on 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 theme uh, song. Um, okay, in the in the um, spirit of Solit, I've got an American an American song. I'll give you that clue. Leitman. Good job, yep. Tony. <laughs> Our good friend Lori Leitman. Yep. Amazing. Anybody know the song? I I don't know the song, but it was it was very much as soon as we heard it, I would think, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, this sounds so much like Metropolitan Tower. Yes, but it, yeah. Yeah. But it was it was obviously not from that. It wasn't that song, but it was also like so similar in style. Yeah, it had some similarities in in it. Gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the opening line of the song is the name of the song. I didn't want, that would be too big of a hint to have told you before. Um, the, it's called last night, the rain spoke to me and it's the first song from her set. Anybody know what the set is? The larger set. It's the set is called early snow. Okay. Just beautiful. Beautiful. Mm. Lori, we love you. Friend yeah. of the pod, <laughs> friend of CSI. Oh. Yes, yep. and Love you, um, Lori's Lori's music was on Solit, right, or is upcoming on Solit? We last last year in the first during the first season, we did we covered the Metropolitan songs. Yeah, the, the Metropolitan Tower set. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. Great. Amazing. All right, one more for you all. Back to German. Yay! <laughs> and uh, this is a personal. I, I've become obsessed with this composer. Um, in the past couple months, there is an enormous album with Ian Burnside playing all of the songs of this composer. And I just can't stop listening to it. And the uh, advanced hint I'll give you is the composer's nationality is not German, even though this song is in German language. Oh, 
God, that's gorgeous. I'm I'm gonna take a wild stab. I'm pretty sure Metner wrote some songs with German text. Yes, he definitely did. Metner and yeah, that would be because you because you gave the hint that it wasn't a German uh, national. I, I, mean, I guess it could be Austrian, but and I'm gonna guess get Metner. And I've gotten very like because of my Russian diction, Russian song class, I've been very, very intrigued by Metner, but that doesn't sound didn't sound to me mm. like Metner because I feel like yeah. his piano parts tend to be a little bit like just more intricate more and like just, dense. Yeah. Could be completely wrong here because I haven't listened to all of them. And um, the only recordings that I know of the Metner stuff is with a with a woman, with a soprano. So I'm gonna guess Quilter. Quilter. Oh, wow. wow. What an interesting guess. I don't even know if he composed any German songs, but that sounded so much like something that one of my students is working on right now by Quilter. Hmm. The, oh, and the other thing I forgot to say is I am pretty sure actually that Ian has recorded Metner in great quantities, if not all. Really? I rem um, I'm pretty sure I remember him working on the project. I actually studied with him at Guildhall and uh, I'm pretty sure he was working on it. Tony? I, I have no clue because I was just so mesmerized by the beauty. I, yeah. I mean, everybody recognize the text? Yes. No need to fact check yourself, Mandy. It is Metner. <laughs> and no need to fact check yourself on whether Ian Burnside was practicing those piano parts ferociously while he studied with him. I'm sure he was. The album is... <laughs> Which on Apple Music, I, I guess this is now an ad for Apple Music. <laughs> I mean, this album, I don't know how this man played all these songs. And I don't know over what span of time he recorded these, but mm -hmm. he, he got a Mitter cohort. Songs of, are brutal on piano. I'm so sorry. They're, songs are brutal. They're nuts. I'm yeah. desperate to, to, to learn many of them now because they're so meaty. Yep. They're amazing. It's two hours and 24 minutes of Metner songs. Wow. Uh, the the album doesn't say that it's the complete songs of Metner, so I don't know. I haven't like researched his full output. I don't know if it's the complete songs of Metner. It's a combination of German and Russian languages, mm -hmm. and oh my god, these songs! Anyway, well done, Mandy. Yay! Yeah. Oh, like... I, I'm gonna be riding that high, guys. All week. <laughs> well, right yeah. into Christmas. I should I shouldn't have given you all those hints. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think know. I might not have gotten it actually if you hadn't given that because I don't I don't automatically think Metner when I hear German. I just don't. Right. Mm. No, of no, of course, but but there are some amazing settings in there, and that is just so beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. I I loved it. The just like the conceptual, oof, it just had a grandness. Yes. yes. You know, hey, so pretty. Maybe we'll be seeing a Metner series at CSI in the coming years. There we go. Dope. <laughs> I want because I want to play some of these too, man. We yeah, all, yeah, yeah, 100%. We'll all see, we'll see you at a CSI concert for Metner songs. <laughs> Tony, I'll work on Russian. Uh huh. Uh huh. Who signed me up for that? But 
he's like, I, 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 I believe, but actually that sounds <laughs> okay. We did it. Good trivia. Everybody. That's some fabulous trivia. That was totally. fun. Totally. Constantly. So s- same time next week, guys. <laughs> Everybody go subscribe to Solit Songlit. Everybody go subscribe to Follow the Leader. And um, presumably, if you're listening to this episode, you're already subscribed to Song Cycle. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you, Mandy and Tony Marie and Ellen for joining me. Song Cycle will resume with season four in the new year, as well as Follow the Leader is on the same schedule, right? So we'll see a new Follow the Leader season. Yeah, also uh, season four, Follow the Leader. Super excited. We're actually, if you don't mind, I'll just give a little plug. Yeah, let's hear it. Um, we're going to be doing compare and contrasting situation where, um, so for all of season four, we'll be uh, hearing the same text set by different composers, maybe two composers, maybe sometimes even three composers. Um, but I thought that that might be super cool. Also, just want to tell y'all, you can find me at Leader Nerd on Instagram. That's at L-I-E-D-E-R-N-E-R-D. Amazing. And <laughs> Tony Marie and Ellen, you you both are on Instagram as well, right? Yeah, I'm I'm lousy on Instagram. I'm better on Facebook because I'm old. <laughs> Let's just face it. We all know that the opera world runs on Facebook because the old people oh. are still in charge. Sorry. <laughs> so she said it, not me. Look for me there on Facebook or look for the Diction Police on Facebook. That's right, Diction Police. I'm found my just my name, Tony Marie Palmer Tree, on both uh platforms. Perfect. Perfect. And Cincinnati Song Initiative, follow CSI on social media. We plug each of the podcasts when a new episode drops. Um, we have pages on our website for each of the podcasts. So you can learn everything you need to about all the three of these podcasts on CSI's website. So thank you, everybody. And thank you all for joining me. And we'll see you in the new year. Great holiday party. Woohoo! <laughs> Thanks, Sam. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. What was your favorite part about this episode? Let me know when you rate, review, and subscribe this podcast. It's the best way to help the show reach other song lovers, and isn't that what it's all about? Catch new episodes of Song Cycle every fourth Thursday of the month wherever you podcast. Song Cycle is a production of Cincinnati Song Initiative. You can learn more about its network of podcasts at cincinnatisonginitiative.org slash podcasts. That's all for now, songsters. We'll see you next time.